to the Speakernomics Podcast, the official podcast of the National Speakers Association, brought to you by Leadership Books. I'm Kenneth Kinney, but friends call me Shark. I'm a professional speaker, a strategist, a shark diver, and man, oh man, or shark, oh shark, I am excited to be the new host of Speakernomics. And I'll be host of the show where we will dive deep into the world of professional speaking and not only survive as a professional speaker, but we will thrive and grow a speaking business so you too can change the world one keynote session workshop and speech at a time on today's episode we're going to dive deep with john register john is a paralympic silver medalist a u.s army combat veteran and a certified professional keynote speaker with a passion for working with business leaders to hurdle adversity amputate fear and embrace the new normal mindset to win life's medals john my friend welcome to the show Shark, it's great to be on with you. So glad to see you because uh, I know we're doing this uh, uh, virtually, but my gosh, uh, we met so long ago and, and thank you for, for uh, taking this podcast on. Absolutely. Well, as speakers, we often tell the world that we're experts, but we're not always great at defining that expertise, especially in our space. And then there's the conversations of, are we easy to work with, with all the people that hire us to speak? So that's what we're gonna dive into today. But before we jump into the deep waters, make sure that you go to speakernomics.com. That's where you can get the tips, insights, and knowledge to help you become a better speaker, build a better business, and get paid to speak. Let's dive in. John, one of the keys for any speaker is becoming that expert in your space. Help define what yours is and what direction a speaker should take with their expertise. You know, Shark, one of the things that I learned early on at the National Speakers Association was try to figure out what you do in one word, and then you can kind of move from there. So that's hard to do when you want to just kind of define what do people say about you? Who do you think you just, who you are to the market uh, that you're selling into? Uh, and what do you deliver into that market? And sometimes what you are doing is not what your clients are actually hearing from you. So how do you amalgamate the two and, and distill that to one word? So I took the challenge on, I, I don't remember who said it to do it. And my word is inspiration uh, or inspire. It was a word I loathed. I hated it. And some speakers would come back and say, oh, you can't market inspiration. You can't do this. But you don't have to listen to those voices because yes, you can. And I have monetized inspiration. And here's how, because I believe we have to go deep before we go wide. Uh, and and here's what I mean by that. Uh, when I began massaging and pulling apart and dissecting the word inspiration, I realized it comes from the Latin word inspiro. Inspiro means to breathe life, put into, to add to. One of the things I talk about in my speeches is how to how do we add oxygen into our atmosphere to create uh, or sustain in, in any environment in which we show up in. When oxygen is added, our brain is on fire. It's fired up. When oxygen is taken away, we begin to panic. So I started saying, let's add oxygen into our environment. I started messing with the words uh, in, in the Latin, vitam, which means to breathe life or add, add life, inspirare, which is to breathe into, right? The inspiration of, of, the, of that word. And so I've combined the two words now. And one of my mantras is Vitam Inspirare or Vitam Sperare, add life, breathe life. Vitam Sperare, breathe life. And that really, as I went deeper, became the thing that clients wanted. They wanted 
uh, their teams to breathe life into each other so that they could have better outcomes, that they could move systems faster, that they could be on the same page quicker. And that's the one thing or one of the things that people say now back from my presentation, I love how you just get us to add life. Because if we're taking away, am I the one that's the culprit? Am I the one that's causing panic to my team? And so it just shifts the dynamic and they can take immediate action for it. That's what I do. Inspire is my word. I will keep on sticking with it because it keeps on generating revenue. That's great. And now I need to go find a Latin word for for translating what I do as well. How did you sort of work with keeping yourself from going too far beyond that? Because there's such, it happens so often that people want to start spreading themselves wider as opposed to going deeper. And then they become sort of lost in a, a sea of sameness. Well, with the inspiration, I don't define it. I define it for myself, but I don't find it for others because it's too wide, like you said, to define for others. Sure. So, I'll give you an example. A lot of things about me going deep, I attribute to Hillary Blair, one of our great CSPs out there, giving me a different mindset around what was happening during the pandemic. So people were in the Facebook groups, our Facebook groups, other Facebook groups, and they were getting jaded with these terms that we weren't jaded with before. So I'll, I'll give you an example. One one word is pivot. And if I hear pivot one more time, I'm going to just blow my brains out. And so, but really, if I dissect the word and I'd use it in the analogy of my son playing basketball, mm-hmm. pivot's actually the right word to use. Why? Because in basketball, the pivot gives us options. Mm-hmm. The pivot means I can dribble, I can pass, or I can shoot. I got three options off the pivot. Right. Even so, some people are misusing it or or overusing the term doesn't necessarily mean that that's the wrong term to use. And so we try to find other words to put into it. So I go very deep into those words and, and, and try to challenge people to look at the word the way it's supposed to be written. The same thing came, what Hillary helped me with was the new normal. I saw a lot of people I looked up to during this time, they were kind of checking out or they didn't know how to, uh, or they were struggling with it, or they had all their cash flow and they just said, I'm just gonna ride this pandemic time out. Well, for an inspirational speaker, motivational speaker who's been giving, giving the keys to success, I thought that this was the exact time that we needed to show our, our wares that we were absolutely the ones to be listening to during this time. So I got a little chippy and Hillary said, John, just invite them into your world. <laughs> and I said, oh my gosh, you're so brilliant. Uh, so I did. And I started going down again and analyzing more of what my whole keynote around the new normal mindset actually means. People were jaded with the term the new normal. Why? Because two reasons I found. It was a past state of experience that we no longer had access to. And it came out like this. I just wish things would get back to normal. Mm. Not happening. Not going to happen. The second way was a present state of paralysis. Man, I I guess this is just our new normal. I guess this is the way it's going to be. So there was no power with the word. But when we analyze the word, we really break the two words down, new and normal. New means no prior point of reference. So if new is no prior point of reference, we can't use old systems, old thoughts, old ideas to put into a new bucket to get a different output. If we're doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result, it's the definition of what? Most people say insanity. 
And so then I say, why are we still doing it? Right. So then normal, we do need systems, sequences, processes. So the normal is the everyday typical occurrence of a thought or an action. And that can be normalized to anybody. I can always increase on that. So I do need a ritual that elevates me due to a, a rhythm that elevates me to a rise that creates the desired result that I'm looking for. I need that. During the, before the pandemic, I ate out at restaurants. During the pandemics, restaurants came to me. After the pandemic, we have a, a, a choice now. I can do Uber Eats, you know, or whatever the, your favorite food source come to you, or I can go out to a restaurant. So it stayed with us. People who have gone through it, like say, say are that think we're over the pandemic, have not taken into consideration three years of classes in high schools that did not get a chance to socialize. That blip is going along with us. For us as speakers, when they move into the event planning space and they don't really know how to have that skill set of working with people, do you think I might need to understand that a little bit more? Or am I just going to say, uh, I'm over it. I don't want to be in this place again. No, the blip is, is continuing with us. And so we do so at our own peril. So we have to really unpack the things and go deeper into our lane before we go wide. Now, if I understand the new normal mindset now, a couple of with my amputate fear, you got a keynote that people always want because everybody has to go through an experience like that. John, they're worried about curbside pickup at their restaurant and having to pay that 18% tip that they right. get charged just for picking it up. But, you That's know, right. <laughs> we, when we think about this, how do we become that speaker who is easy to work with, as they say, for every speaker out there, including the professional ones? There are way too many who call themselves easy to work with. But as we know and we hear over and over again, I'm sure you have from event planners and meeting professionals. That's not always the case. So help me, Obi-Wan, Speaker Nobi, help us to understand <laughs> what we need to do here to become easier to work with. I don't know if I'm just Obi-Wan Kenobi. I do anything that Crystal Washington, Washington tells me to do. So that's <laughs> We bow to Crystal. You know, I think what happens, what where I found, I just assumed that speakers were out there trying to help meeting professionals. As a former meeting professional myself, running the Army's thousand member conference uh, for four or five years in, uh, in the Washington DC area of a thousand people, I know what's going on in a conference planner's head. All they want is the answer to the question in the moment, because it's one of the highest stressed work conditions that you can be in, right? So you got astronauts, you got meeting professionals, right? It's, it's a really high stressful environment. So all they want to know is, are you there? Are you showing up? Get, get your keynote done and just let me know that everything's gravy and stop trying to add other things onto it. And it's amazing to me when I talk to speaker bureaus or I talk to event planners and they start dropping names of people who are like hard to work with. I'm like, what are you doing? And some of them aren't in my, they're CSPs. And if we're going to evaluate or, or elevate the CSP, we have to, we must be a partner with them and understand their pain points. And we're just a, a member of this entire community. So I think here's a few things to consider. When a person calls and asks you for your PowerPoint slide, give them PowerPoint slide <laughs> or work a solution that is agreeable to the both of you so that it creates less angst. When you get off the plane, have that meeting professional's cell phone number 
text them. I text before I get on the plane. I text when I get off the plane. And what I do not do is if there is a, a shift in my flight schedule, which often will happen, I do not text them in that moment. I do not need them worrying about me getting to that event. And then when I show up, I just make sure I, they know my room number, they know where I am, so that if somebody needs to come to my room or knock on the door, if they need if they need to switch the sound check or whatever, they know exactly where I am. Usually they'll, they'll do that on a, on a text message. What I also do is I go to a gift cards shop, and usually after I do my sound check, because I can see how many people are in that space that are gonna make me look brilliant on stage. You know, the sound people, the video folks, the producers that are running the show. And I will go and I will get them at least a $15, some type of card with a little thank you note and saying, we're going to have a great show. I just want to, I might not be, have a chance afterwards to just celebrate you. I want to celebrate you right now. And so that really goes a long way. Why? Do you know those folks probably see hundreds of speakers mm -hmm. all the time? And I want to be the one that stands out in their mind. One of them last year gave me a written testimonial from their company saying, oh my gosh, you were just, you were amazing. You were so easy to work with. Thank you for those gift cards. You made our day. No one's ever done that for us. I said, no one, no one of my CSP community, no one from the CPAEs, no one from the, from our whole group of, of national speakers associates have ever said, thank you like that. And I know people do it, but maybe I was the first one for that. But that means there's a gap there or there's an opportunity. Close it. If we're getting paid thousands of dollars, can I take 95 bucks out and go get some gift cards? I think it's it's very simple to do those things, to show up. Same thing with our speaker bureau friends. We're not the show. We are filling a role for their client. And we must remember that. It's not for them to promote us or to market us. That's our marketing dollar. Mm -hmm. And if, if we're not marketing us, we haven't marketed ourselves to that speaker bureau to get our name out there. So we have to really show up in their space and understand what it takes for those agents to push us into those spaces. And let's be frictionless. We had this word when we were talking about in when I worked for the, the United States Olympic Committee. My job was to make sure there was no friction for the Paralympic athlete and the Olympic athlete getting to that medal podium. They've trained for four years, eight years, 12 years to get there. And if I need to pick up a bag, if I need to wipe down a table, if I need to mop up a floor so they don't strip and slip, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that that athlete makes it to the start line. Can I do the same thing for my clients, whether they be bureaus or the clients that I book and sell myself? It's so interesting that you're saying this because I think I may have told you that I'm putting on my own conference in 24, and I think I may try to offer putting Apple AirTags in all of the other speakers' shoes because I want them there. I want to know where they are. If I've got several hundred people in there, I'm not hunting them down during the middle of the day, and I want their slides. And, and it's going to be really interesting uh, running through this. I've done virtual events, but this is going to be different trying to, to hunt everybody down. So, you know, you also take an active role in seeing other speakers. Mm -hmm. How do you do that? And how did you get started doing that? And what should others consider in doing the same? Well, I, I don't know. I, I think it's all personal. I really like personal relationships. And sometimes the speaker will ask, hey, can you can you recommend me to a bureau or can you recommend me to somebody that I've that I've in concert with? And so what I will do is if it works out, I, I try to make sure 
that I know where the cities are that I'm going to speak. And maybe there's another speaker that is there. And I, I try to do my best to go see the speaker. Not let me be very clear. It is not to evaluate the speaker. I'm not doing an evaluation. I just want to know what they do. That's all I want to do. If they're getting booked, you know, I, I did this to, for a, uh, a speaker this year. And I flew out to Las Vegas to go see him present. His client, I think, was Quiznos. He got the booking. I'm not going to tell him how to speak. All I want to do is say, I want to see what he does so then I can refer him to other bureaus or clients. or if, So I, I can see that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we we can do. You know, with that, we, I'll, I'll throw Talkadot out there for in, in a second, but... You know, I, I, I told Arel for uh, talking about it. I said, I love, I love it, but I will never put that out before speakers because we try to evaluate the speaker. Mm-hmm. And, and and if I'm already making the revenue, don't tell me how to make my revenue because you're not my client. So I'm saying it's, it's, I want to know what you do. When I know that Chris watches a technology futurist speaker, I know how to recommend her. Mm-hmm. I'm not evaluating her speech. It's very different of what we do. Right. And we tend to tear folks down when they get on that main stage at NSA right after it's over with and talk about what they would do different. No, celebrate. Let's elevate. We're talking about one of our values is to uplift humanity. Let's do that. Let's lift, lift, let's lift each other because this business is hard enough in itself without others trying to, to tear us down, taking oxygen out of our environment. We need to be adding oxygen into the environment. Vitam Sperare, breathing life. To another example, we were on the phone last week and you were out of town and, and I was asking if you ever met someone and you were taking an active role in trying to grab dinner, lunch, whatever. You you had some time in between. And if we think about our uh, network as our net worth, I mean, if, if you're not taking advantage of seeing them on stage, at least make the time to to, to meet some people in person because we live and breathe by referrals right. uh, in this business, positive referrals. And and one more bridge, if you can cross it, do it. So, And, I, and I'll, throw, I'll put a Frank Kitchen out there. Frank, is he, yeah. he's brilliant at this. He always, when somebody goes to Arizona, reaches out, reach out to Frank. I mean, he loves doing that stuff. And he's come to see me a couple of times as well. And I'm trying to go to see him. So absolutely, we want to support each other in this business. Frank is keeping it fresh. That's right. With his spicy recipe in this kitchen. John, what we're doing this this a little bit different this year. What question? I mean, you're an outstanding speaker and you've been doing this for a while, but what question would you like to ask a future guest on this show? You know, I think with the introduction of generative AI, you know, I saw Fred Sakes say this last year at our CPA summit last year. He said, stop this 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 thing's gonna change our lives, right? So now we've kind of seen it a little bit, and I want to know, how are you using generative or other AI sources in your business? And what are you seeing for the future? I have some definitely thoughts on that, but I would love to know what other people are thinking around uh, generative AI. You know, and and I remember seeing you at uh, Winter Workshop in San Antonio, and I'll still give credit to Denise Hamilton talking about AI not part of her normal wheelhouse, but she the way she addressed it as we as users, instead of calling ourselves experts on on AI, was brilliant. Yeah, she did such a fantastic job. So let's do a quick recap based on John's excellent advice. First, go deep before going wide. Become the expert in your space. We hear that over and over, but it is imperative so you get lost in the middle. 
to challenge yourself today, not to just declare yourself easy to work with, but with a dash of humility, how can you become easier to work with than you are now? And three, take an active role in seeing other speakers. It can do you so many goods with so many different referrals. Learn, help elevate, as John said. John, any closing thoughts before we get off the virtual stage here? I just want to thank you for what you're doing, Shark, in this year and keeping this program alive and going. Mike Staver, who we now is just transitioned from the board uh, president, now Meredith Elliott Powell will be taking the reins. He always says today is a great day to be a member of the National Speakers Association. All buckets, oh, we have four buckets. They're all green. We're all moving forward for the first time in our history that we have all buckets green. So invite your friends in. We are the National Speakers Association. And when I say that, I was a member of the United States Army and they sent me to school to learn. I was a member of the uh, a civilian in the United States Army working for the Community Family Support Center. They sent me to school to learn. I went to Kellogg's school to learn when I was a part of the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee. And now this is my association to learn. Doesn't matter to me who's on that stage. It is my responsibility as a professional speaker to be supporting the National Speakers Association. So go out there, keep killing it, y'all, and uh, keep breathing life into others. Well, John, especially because you're on the board, I want to say thank you for your service to the association. And two, I've told you this before, and I'll say it again. Thank you for your service to this country and for everything that's worth and it means. So everyone, make sure to join us at speakernomics.com and let your voice be heard. Thank you to Leadership Books for sponsoring this episode of Speakernomics. And what an amazing opportunity to host this show. Again, I'm Kenneth Shark Kenny, your host of the National Speakers Association's podcast, Speakernomics. Thank you, listeners, for the privilege of your time. This has been another fantastic episode of Speakernomics. And remember, it is the podcast where you will learn to speak, get paid, repeat. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.